0: That's a good little picture up there, isn't it? Amen. Refuge, restoration, and relationship. That's where I am in my walk with God. Being restored. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Rob. It's good to meet you. Backwards is bore, But I'm not a bore, so I, I, I don't claim that in my self-talk. My wife Sharon is here, my beautiful bride. I, I'll be celebrating my 37th wedding anniversary uh, next month. Our youngest son, Sam, is, is with us here. He's a senior at Alabama. I'm sorry for you Auburn folks. But he, he, he's a diehard Bama fan. We've got two other children, uh, Nathaniel and uh, Bethany. Uh, my oldest daughter, Bethany, has two children, so we're Papa and Mimi. Uh, they're 10 and 5. Uh, time goes by fast when you're having fun, I tell you. Uh, Nelson and I connected just to give you a little background of who I am. Uh, I wasn't standing on the corner here in Gardendale holding a sign, and Nelson didn't come up and talk to me and ask me to come and speak. We met, we met actually in a small group that was at John and Sylvia Gunner's house, and we called ourselves the Fobs. And I had to try to remember what that uh, Fellowship of the God Seekers. Fogs. Fogs. I have a fog now in my memory. The Fellowship of the God Seekers. And basically we were all pastors that were in a fog. And uh, I'm coming out of the fog. I think I've come out of most of the fog. uh, I'm actually a custodian now in in a school system, which is an amazing place to work. And I never knew that God would send me there at almost 59 years of age Uh, to clean floors but but i want you to know there's a mission field right there in the public school system that's that's amazing and you know what people don't know about custodians we're like flies on the wall i mean people continue to have conversations they continue to drink coffee they continue to eat their food while i'm in there with a broom sweeping the floor and they don't even know that i'm there so i i get to hear observe and, and assimilate things into my soul by listening to conversations that I've never got in college and graduate school. It's just amazing how much I'm learning there. God sent me... The last two years, I've been cleaning the special ed wing. Okay, you, you all know about the special ed wing of a, of a school. You know, the government says, no child left behind. Well, there's, there's a couple of stories that come to mind. One, the first year that I worked there... <laughs> I was asked to go change the toilet paper. Now that's a high and holy calling, let me tell you, (laughs) to change the toilet paper. I studied the Greek word for toilet paper. It's TP. (laughs) Toilet paper. And I I changed the toilet paper and they asked me to come and change it in the bathroom because a little boy was blocking it. He actually was crouched in the corner right by the toilet tissue dispenser and he was on the floor just acting crazy. And this boy was eight years old He's about five feet tall and weighs 130 pounds. That's big for an eight-year-old. Well, <clears throat> mostly women in this uh, in this area had called me to come. And I, of course, I, you know how you do that that prayer. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Well, I didn't know what what they wanted me to do. They just wanted me to stand in there. So I came in there and I stood in there, and this little boy is <sighs> got his hand in the toilet water. Okay, well. They're, Good news is there wasn't anything in the toilet. So he he was literally taking his hand and throwing toilet water on me. And I just stood there. And and you know, uh, those of us that have uh, had anger issues, y'all don't have to raise your, raise your hand, but my anger issues must have been totally healed because I just stood there, looked at him, and almost started laughing. I, I didn't know what to do. It So as soon as he got through with his fiasco throwing all this stuff on me, all the women... I love, I love women. They're just beautiful. They came around me. Mr. Rob, get out of there. Get out of there. Get out of there. And so they, they got their cameras and their, their notepads and they started writing down. Now, what did he do? What did he do? Documenting everything that went on. And then, and then a lady came up with her cell phone. and She started taking that. Mr. Rob, let me see your leg. Pull your pant leg up. i got to see where he threw that toilet water. I, I have to send this to the district. And I'm going, this is what's going on in our public school system. So I, I began to pray under my breath for the spirits of these children to come alive. And you know, as a pastor, you know, as a pastor, I couldn't have gone into to Vestavia High School and said, Well, I'm a pastor at the vineyard church, I'd like to come and pray over the children. Well, they're not gonna but as a custodian, guess what? I get to pray over the children. We've got 375 kids that have a Bible club, and they meet on Fridays. I'm in the back with a dust mop, and the worship leader's up front. I've been a worship leader for many years, and he's standing up there, and I'm I'm running the dust mop back there, just worshiping, and I get over here with the children, you know, and we dance and sing, and you know, as a pastor, they wouldn't have. There's no way in a in a local church, they would never allow me to do that kind of thing.
1: And I'm getting a revelation
0: of what, what it is to walk in the grace of God. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, or what kind of job you have. It's, it's Jesus, yes. wherever we are. Yes. And the, the other story I wanted to share with you was about a five-year-old whose name is Graham. I connect with Graham around the garbage bins. Now that, that's, that's a really interesting place to be when you watch five-year-olds come and they try to dump their food into the garbage bin and it falls all over the floor. And the teacher just kind of stands there and goes on her merry way. And you have to say, son, you going to pick that up? Or young lady, you going to pick that up? No. Well, Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You see that banana down on the floor? I want you to go get a a napkin and take your hand, wrap it around the banana, and place it in there for me. Can you do that? Yes, sir, Mr. Uh, you know. They, they're not being taught at home, I guess. There's so much mess in the... But uh, long story short, this little boy named Graham is so precious. Uh, he, I try to talk to these kids about Jesus in sort of an uh, under-the-table kind of way. And he he came up to me one day and I had a few minutes while I was cleaning the table. I said, Hey, hey, Graham, you believe in God? And he he's so funny. He looked up and it was like he was hearing a message from from heaven. 99% Mr. Rob. <laughs> 99% okay. Well you know what I'm going to do grandma? I'm going to pray that the father will take you to the 1% so you can know him 100%. Because he wants to know you. He's known you from the foundation of the earth. Did you know that? He created you in your mother's womb and he blessed you and knit you together in, his mother's, in your mother's womb and has a wonderful plan and a calling for your life and I bless that plan in the name of Jesus. And I walked off and dumped, went over and got a mob, and he just started sweeping the floor. Well, you know, as a pastor, what we do is we put on this fake face. You know, we go around, we go, Good morning. We're so glad that you're here tonight. You know, I don't know, I've never understood that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we change our voice. Jesus, I don't think, he didn't change his voice when he was. Now, he did raise his voice, I'm sure, when he was talking to the religious crowd, but he was the same. And, I, and I'm sitting there with Graham and my colleague, who's Tom Kip, who was—he uh, 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 probably made six figures because he had his own construction firm. Well, he, guess what? He was laid off in 2008. That was not a good year for those of us in work. Okay, many of us were were laid off. I think it was ten, 2010 for me. Is that right, honey? 2010. So this little boy, Graham's in the room, and Tom comes in there and he asks him this same little boy five years old now, kindergarten. I see that Auburn shirt you're wearing. Your, your, your mom go to Auburn? Yes, sir. Your dad go to Auburn? Yes, sir. And he looked right at me and said, well, where are you going to go to college? Now, this is a five-year-old. He did that thing again. I'm weighing out my options. <laughs> <laughs> it was a five-year-old boy. Yeah, well. so, so, so those are just a couple of things, stories that that, are, that I, I, it's not in my notes and it's not on the slide. I don't have a picture of a toilet on there, but one thing that I'm realizing is that forgiveness and judgment, which is the title of my message, there's a lot of that out there in the world. It's a lot of it. It's in the church. See that? See, I heard a message this week that that really stirred my heart. It said, "If the church." If we would get rid of our judgment of one another, then the world wouldn't be a problem. See what what we try to do, and and, and I tried to come. At this, this is a hard message to speak on for thirty or forty minutes, because I mean there are people that do series on this thing. There, there are people that actually live in this, and you, if if you if you read the newspaper at all, you, you can find articles like the gentleman that's the NBA guy that came out and you know said he was gay and his friend who plays basketball says nobody has a right to judge. You've heard that phrase before. You, you'll be walking around and you, you'll point out something to someone else that's in the world or maybe in the church and they'll go, do not judge. The Bible says do not judge. Do not judge. Well, where, and then you say, well, where is that in the Bible? Well, I don't know, but the Bible says do not judge. Well, I'm going to try to clarify to you as the body of Christ this morning what that really means. See, I could have judged that boy for throwing toilet water on me. But there was a... This sounds kind of funny. There was an underlying issue causing him to act that way, whether it's a brain disorder or whether it's a, just undisciplined at home. When you meet people... This, is, this isn't in my notes, but if you, when you meet people, there's something going on in their heart that makes them do the things that they do that you don't know about. Did y'all hear that? In other words, on the outside, they could look like they're going through something that you know something about, but they may have had some horrific thing happen to them, and we have to not be quick to judge. Our Bible text this morning is in the book of Luke. Hey, that's pretty good. I didn't know that was right there. I guess I can read it right off of there. That's some good stuff there you've got your Bibles or your app or your smartphone. Or... We're in Luke chapter 6 beginning at verse 37. Judge not. Can you all say that with me? Judge not. Now most people stop, stop there, don't they? <laughs> Judge not. Now there's a comma. Judge not and you will not be judged. That's some, some good news, isn't it? Condemn not. Say that with me. Condemn not. not, And you will not be condemned. Forgive, Forgive. Forgive. And you will be forgiven. Now, in Hebrew culture, that's a parallelism. Okay? Those are two different... And I'll get to that in a minute. But these are two different Parallelism. One is synonymous, judge not and condemn not. The other is different. The other is a contrast. Condemn and judge are the same thing. The other is a contrast. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And here's the contrast give and it will be given to you. And here's how much. How much? Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For while the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And then he switches over in verse 39 to talk about teachers and their students. Those of you who are teachers, really listen to this because it's a powerful word. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? The answer to that is no. No. It's very difficult for a blind person to lead a blind person. Will they not both fall into the ditch or fall into the pit? A disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. Now this is the humorous part of Jesus' story. It's a humorous hyperbole that He uses in this verse and He uses the same words in Matthew 7, 3-5. Very humorous story. Why do you see the speck... Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye but do not not notice the log that's in your own eye? It's funny, isn't it? Log and a speck. How can you say to your brother, Hey, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when you yourself don't see the log that's in your own eye? I almost brought a two-by-four or a six-by-six and stuck it in my eye, but I wouldn't have been able to see to preach. Yeah, you thought that was funny, didn't you? You hypocrite. Greek is hypocritos, which means a person that wears a mask and is a pretender. Basically, Jesus is saying here, you hypocrite, you pretender, you person that wears a mask, you actor on the stage, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, if you'll go quickly back to Matthew 7... This is the same sermon, basically. One was given on the sermon on the mount and the other is on the plain. But it's basically the same. But I want to just emphasize the first two verses on judgment. It says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. We're all judged, aren't we, from time to time? How many of y'all have never been judged? Nobody in this room. We're we're judged all the time. <laughs> this morning when I woke up, I saw the article in the newspaper about Nick Saban, and it said, "It's terribly disappointing to be called devil." Have you ever been called the devil? I haven't. It's not it's not a whole lot of fun. I had an elder one time in one of my churches that actually called me Beelzebub because I said praise the Lord too much. Now, at the age of 26, being a senior pastor at the age of 26, that's, and this man was about 75, that's very disheartening. But Jesus said they're going to call the members of your house the same thing that they called him. And religious people sometimes can call you things and say things about you that really are not true. And what you have to have is a a tender heart and tough skin. But everybody judges. I mean, even people that say they don't judge, you know, if you have a belief how many of y'all believe that it's wrong to dance? Well, good. (laughs) You know, there's some churches that believe you can't dance in church. Well, if you told that to somebody else, they said, Well, my church believes that we can't dance in church. Well, I like to dance in church well, I don't want to dance. Well, you're, you're judging me. No, no, you're making an assessment. Okay, there's a difference here in judging that Jesus uses and what we think of judging. One of the, the guys that I listen to, is his name is Sam Storms. Those of you familiar with Sam's ministry, he's the preaching and vision pastor at Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma City. He said, actually, not only does everyone have a right to judge, Everyone has a responsibility to judge. In fact, everyone does judge even if they think that they don't. You see, if you make a judgment statement to someone and they say, well, you can't judge, they're making a judgment statement about you not judging or about you, them not judging. You see, that? what you're saying is, is wrong. What they're saying is right. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, so you, have to, you have to watch that. And I'm, I'm not a, a, here to debate with anybody this morning, but all of us have different thoughts and opinions in the way we view things. Now, let's look at the text going back. Jesus, first of all, uses two words, judging and condemning. Judging and condemning. It's in 37a and b. Judge not, do not judge, and you will not be judged. That's good news. Condemn not... Do not condemn, and you not be condemned. And in 7.1 He says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Well, this pair of phrases represents what I said synonymous parallelism, which is two two thoughts that express the same emphasis. So if you want to know what words mean in the Bible, you can look them up in the Greek text, but you can also find them used in other places. So Jesus was teaching the people that he was speaking to about judging and condemning being closely related. And I looked up those words, and the first word is "kreno," which is the word judge. Now, in linguistics, you've got a whole bunch of words that you can find for judging. Now, I put some of them up there on the screen. If you look, judge, it means to decide, to act, to discriminate, to hail before a court, make a distinction, legal technical term, hand over for judicial punishment. And if I could put an image on the screen, which I don't have, I want you to think of yourself, if you've ever been on jury duty. Okay? You know how they've got it set up. The judge is right there in the courtroom. He's behind the, the, his bench. And then the defendant is standing there in front of the bench, and the judge does what? He renders a verdict. The word he's using there means that you are rendering a verdict, guilty or not guilty, to that person that you're looking at. You're making the decision, and guess where? You're sitting. You're not standing in front of the bench, you're on the bench. You become the judge. If it's not right for you, then it's not right for them. And so you make a judgment based on what you believe is right and you take them to court and you decide. And you make that verdict. That's what he says. It's a legal technical term. You hand them over for judicial punishment. Now the second word is even worse. and It means to find and pronounce guilty. You've already made that decision. You see, we live in a society today that believes that we are not allowed to make any judgment about anything moral or spiritual. And the challenge is to judge in the right way. Because we all know that we judge, we exercise our moral uh, faculties every day. You know, if you go to the courtroom, you'll see that there's a judge in there. He has to make uh, judgment decisions. If you've ever been to a soccer game, there's a referee if, you, if you've ever taken your uh, kids to a baseball game, who sits behind home plate? An umpire, yes. How about a teacher? Any teachers in here? You grade papers, don't you? And you make a judgment based on what that student has answered on the quiz. Any of y'all have been in the corporate business world? I've been in the in the church world and where we use business principles, and I was evaluated every single year. And I got 3.25, between 3.25 and 3 point four four out of a four for all those years. I never did never could get up to the four. That bummed you out. Because why? Because my weaknesses stayed there. They didn't go away. My strength's over over here. Yeah. You know, if you're a college student, bless your heart. My son has got a between a what do you got now? 3.6, 3.7, 3.5. You see what I'm saying? That's what that's what evaluation is. We all do that. Recently, I was driving down the road going to church. We go to Church of the Highlands, and I was dri- driving my wife down the road. That was before these, and I was driving down because you know men, we especially don't want to put these on. And I'd I gone for over fifty-seven years without glasses. I, I, I'd get reading glasses, you know, so I, I can't see y'all anymore. We're driving down the road, and I look at a green sign, and there it is. What does that sign say? I can't. I can't see it. My beautiful wife made a judgment call. She said, "Well, honey, I guess I'm not going to be able to ride with you to church anymore at night, till you get glasses." Well, I didn't look over and to to her and say, "Judge not, that you be not judged." You see, that that's the kind of judgment I'm talking about—the one that doesn't it discri- discriminates. She made a choice. She she gave me a boundary. You see. Ch- I'm noticing parents at our school, some of them don't give boundaries to these kids. They just run all over the building. And and I'll tell you a secret. I love to mop the floor and have a kid run by and see if they're going to fall. It's terrible, isn't it? Because they don't want to obey the rules. So I made a judgment and decided to go get glasses. Amen? You shop at stores, don't you? We make appraisals and evaluations. What Jesus is talking about here is condemning, self-righteous, hypercritical. You're standing on the cross and the person down here is under the cross. Now let me tell you about the cross of Jesus. Let's move to that slide. You see the cross did away with condemnation. Amen? Being their judge and pronouncing them guilty is not your job. Listen to what Romans 8, 1-3 says. There is therefore now no what? No condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh. Jesus took upon Himself the very wrath and judgment of God for your sin and my sin. That's what He did on the cross. The Bible uses a big word that begins with a P. Propitiation. The substitutionary death atonement of Jesus Christ. He took upon Himself and condemned sin by taking on the wrath that you and I deserve. So when we look at an individual, we don't have to take on that wrath You can tell when someone's getting into judgment when you have a difference of opinion and they start turning red in the face. Rage. I mean rage. You believe that? You can't believe that? Excuse me. You can't. Brother, settle down. It's all right. You speak in tongues? Well, what do you think, brother? Do you think tongues is a legitimate gift? No, I don't. I think it's of the devil. Well, would you be willing to sit down with me and study what the Bible says about that? No, no, it's passed away. You can tell, folks, when when we're getting into that, we're getting into that law. What, the Pharisees, you know, when when the woman was caught in adultery. By the way, that that text is not in the original manuscripts, but I read it anyway. You know, I read the newspaper too, and it has truth. What you need to do is look for truth in the Scriptures, even in the Apocrypha. It's a Catholic Bible. You can can find truth in a biology book. You can find truth in a psychology book. Truth is truth because it's coming from God. So, where was I? The woman in adultery. Jesus looked at this woman who was supposed to be killed and looked at the other guys. If any of you cast the first stone, Jesus said looked at her and said, Do I condemn you? Where are your accusers? There's nobody here. Well, neither do I condemn. He uses the word condemn you. But what does he say? Go and sin no more. Well, she stopped sinning because she wasn't condemned by Jesus. And we stop sinning. You see, when we see a person in sin, they'll stop sinning when we show them love, grace, and mercy, and forgiveness and cry with them, weep with them, take them by the hand and say, We'll get to that in a minute. Brother, I had that log in my eye, but God has changed me and taken that log out of my eye. Can I would you allow me to tell you what I see? No, 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 no. I don't want you to tell me anything. Okay. I still love you. Let's go eat. You see what I'm saying? There are righteous judgments. You see in John 7 24, do not judge by appearances. How many of y'all do that? How many of us do that? But judge with righteous judgment. A friend of mine, I haven't seen him in years, his name is Steve, was speaking to a large Baptist convention. Is it okay to say Baptist here? Is, is this a Baptist church? <laughs> it's Eagle's Wing, where God delivered you out of Egypt, out of bondage, and, and, and you're soaring on Eagle's Wings, right? Is that right? Y'all been redeemed from Egypt, and now you're in the Promised Land, and you're soaring like an eagle. Amen. Okay, that's not on the sheet. On the sheet, up there. do not judge according to appearance. Well, this brother was speaking in a Baptist convention, and he's a well-known speaker. His name is Steve, and uh, he almost he died actually on the operating table. They they gave him a, a gallbladder surgery, and he found out he didn't have a gallbladder, but but. The, the, the instruments that they put inside of him punctured his aorta. And the dude died and had, had a few minutes with Jesus. I don't want to die today, but that's a good way to spend time with God, isn't it? You die and go spend time with God and come back and tell everybody, <laughs> tell everybody about it. Well, Steve was speaking at this Baptist convention and he had just had his accidents, you know. He could barely walk and get around. and It was real hot that day and he wore a t-shirt and some ratty-looking blue jeans and... Didn't wear any shoes. Now, he had his sandals with him, but he put him over in the corner because he has a foot condition. Well, he's standing outside and the deacons came by and grabbed him by the arm. Me, brother. Me, Rob my name. Good to see. Gra- grabbed him by the arm like this and said, you, Buddy, you got to leave. We're getting, ready. We're getting ready to have a conference. <laughs> And, and, and Steve, Steve was so disillusioned and disheveled and, and he just couldn't imagine. And came to his right mind and said, no, 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 I'm the speaker. And the, guy got, well, the, guy, the deacon looked at him and just turned white as a sheet. Oh, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You see, don't judge by appearance. I can see these seats being filled up and there's going to be some folks in here that aren't going to have an appearance that those of us that are over 50 may not uh, enjoy seeing. But don't judge by the appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God judges the heart. Amen. Judge with righteous judgments. And just just to tell you, Steve had a bruise a big bruise on his arm for several weeks after that conference. And his his sermon was on evangelism and judgmentalism. But he's a man of integrity, so he didn't he didn't tell everybody until after the thing had been over for a long time. He 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 didn't stand up there and say, you know, I got ready to speak and these guys grabbed me, you know, and judge with righteous judgment. You see, we have authority as believers to judge one another. We don't have authority to judge outsiders, to judge people that are not here yet, who I call pre-Christians. We can't judge pre-Christians or people that aren't saved by Christian standards. You know, if you see somebody smoking a cigarette that's not a believer or doing something really just... there's nothing I can say. But you know what I'm talking about? You don't walk up to them and correct them right there. You get to know them. Don't look at the outward appearance. Judge on matters of the heart. You see, Romans 2, one. I don't know if I've got that in my notes or not, but I've got it written down. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges for on passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you are the judge. You are the judge. Let's skip down where... I ask the question, are you a giver or a taker? Are you a giver or a taker? That's Takers are condemners. Discerners are givers. See, so you know when you're moving into judgment when you're starting to take. You see, judgment really is you're not giving me what I need. So you make a judgment about that individual, which is not a righteous judgment. You see, when you're walking in the grace of God, what they have, you, you don't need anything they have you're there to meet what? Their need. You're not sucking the life out of them. And you're not saying, well, come here, come here, meet my need. That's what dysfunction and, and codependency and uh, children that are wounded and children that go through these things and we become adults and we, we go to prayer counselors and prayer ministers and we say, I have this need. That's the child talking. When you become an adult in the kingdom of God, when you become adult, you're a need meter, not, not a Not not something that's codependent, but because you're functioning in the call of Jesus, when y'all go out to this... What's the name of the place y'all are going? Hundred Oaks. You're going out there in the name of Jesus to pronounce life over that community. Not to judge them, but to serve them. A condemning and judging person draws arrogance, self-righteous, and strong conclusions. And you see, what you've got to remember is... I wrote these three things down about myself. I'm limited. I don't know everything. Men, we don't know everything. I'm standing there at my job and I have to have other men who have experience tell me how to change a light. 56 years old and I've never changed a light before because I've been the boss, sir. I told somebody else to change it. I'm standing there, I'm sweating like a dog, trying to learn how to change the light, and I couldn't do it. I still can't do it very well. But guess what? A woman at the school came up and coached me and showed me how to change the light, and I changed it in two seconds. You, you ladies, there's something about you. I don't know what it is, but I, I you know, when when my when my uh, male boss tried to teach me, I got all and That could be something still in here with me. Or it could be him. Maybe it's him. I don't know. You see, that's what humility is. You let others teach you things that you may not know. I'm trying to learn how to fix toilets. Well, I've never fixed a toilet. Have I? Never have. I'm limited. I don't know the whole You know, I've read the Bible through about 35 times. I got saved when I was 10. You know, I've looked at the Greek and Hebrew and all of that kind of thing. But I'm limited because I didn't live in the time that Jesus lived. You know, I I'm coming from from log a log and a spec from a Home Depot. Home Depot. Let's go make a video and do this recording before the message, and have me standing there. Have the worship leader going down there. He's playing down there at Home Depot, and I got this log. Hey, bro, put that log over here. You know, I'm sinful. Now. You know what I'm saying? I, I I ain't got it all together. I have blind spots. I have different viewpoints. I might be a Calvinist or I might be an Armenian. If you don't know what that means, it doesn't matter. You're ordained not to know what it means. <laughs> and, I, and the third thing I thought about, I'm from Oklahoma. My wife is from New Jersey. Now, New Jersey and Oklahoma. <laughs> Woo! A lot of clashes there. We assume our interpretation of the Bible is right. Well, it, it may not be. So, Scripture says in Second Corinthians five ten, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one might receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or bad. We're not to pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, for He will bring to light. Things now hidden in darkness will disclose the purposes of the heart. Brings us to the next truth, and I'll move a little quicker. Forgiving and giving. Forgiving and giving. Luke six thirty-seven and 38. Y'all still with me? Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down. Shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Give and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given. The word uh, there in the Greek... For forgiven is to set free, to release, and to pardon. Y'all been doing a series, Nelson has on that. And the word didomai, which is to give, means to give, to grant, to bestow, and to impart. What's your measuring cup? What's your measuring cup? Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now there's three words for measure there. If you could put that on the screen, you see them. The good measure is measure as an instrument of measuring. That's the little container where the measurements go, where the food goes. Then there's the word measure, means to give out, to deal out, and a portion out. And then there's the word measure, which is measure in return. Those three words. Now, the only way I thought about illustrating this was I like to make oatmeal pancakes. Sharon does too, but she doesn't ever make them for me. Have you ever made oatmeal pancakes, anybody? Good. you got to use... Uh, I wrote this down. I better say it like the recipe calls for. Mixing one scoop of oatmeal then a small scoop of ricotta cheese, then a tablespoon of baking powder, then a and baking soda, then a teaspoon of salt, then add a little vanilla extract, and if you want to make them yellow, you add yellow food coloring. Doesn't that sound good? We're all going to go out to eat lunch afterwards and eat oatmeal pancakes. That's a scientific way to measure things. Well, I'm illustrating that to say we start out with measuring instruments. And then we use the ingredients and we measure and we get back in return and eat the oatmeal pancake. You see, if we, if we give out a little teaspoon of judgment, we get back a little teaspoon of judgment. If we get a tablespoon of judgment, you get a tablespoon back. If you give the whole wad, guess what? Press down, shaken together, running over, people going to pour into your lap. Now, most teachers and preachers use this as a money, a money text. They use it as a money text. It's actually, before I get into that, it's about, it's about sowing and reaping. The whole thing is, a man sows, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Don't be deceived. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. What do you want to receive? You want to have the grace and forgiveness come back? Now, sometimes you're not going to receive that even if you give it. But generally speaking, whatever we give out, that's what we're going to receive. You see, pressed down, shaken together, running over, put in your lap, good measure. The Old Testament farmers used to have two groups of people pick their stuff and they had a bushel basket. The poor folks had to walk there and they were outside the the field... The, the people that were working there worked on the inside and they were being paid and they had all the time in the world to fill up their baskets so they would tediously go and fill up a little bit fill up a little bit go back to work fill up a little bit but the poor people were on the outskirts and they had to hustle because it was a life and death thing so they'd go in there and they'd fill their basket up then they'd shake it a little bit make it go down any of y'all like potato chips? Well, check the bag the next time you go in, shake it up a little bit, go to the counter and say, Hey, this isn't full. I want this filled up. And that's what the poor people did. They'd shake that thing and it'd get up and then they'd eat the food. That's what he's talking about there. It's just like what I do with the garbage. I keep pulling it, pushing it down at, the, at, the, at my office until it's running over. Now, you don't want garbage running over you, you want good things to fall into your lap. And that's the word for the garment where you hold it like this. And you know, when you eat potato chips, a lot of them do fall out. That's what he's talking about. That's going to run over and fall into your lap. And that's what he's doing. He's saying you need to give and it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will people put into your lap. Then he says quickly, he says, He said a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they both not fall into the pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Leaders should lead themselves. Leaders should lead themselves before they lead other people. If you're a blind leader, guess what? Everybody that's following you is going to be blind. If you're a leader that's looked inside of you and seen all the things that God is dealing with you and you commit those things to others that are close to you, not to the whole world, but people that you know that love you and that trust you and you trust them, and you need to be real with folks because you don't want to lead people into a blind alley. You see, it says a disciple is not above his teacher. A disciple that you're, a person you're discipling can never rise above where you are. See what I'm saying? The students at my school who are in the first grade are not going to go up there and start teaching the class. Except that kindergarten boy, maybe. You're not going to rise above where your teacher is. But everyone who is fully trained will be what? Like his teacher. Now, that's scary being a father. You know, my sons are a lot like me. I'm sorry, son. My sons and my daughter somewhat, but she's more like her mother. But my sons are a lot like me. They think like I think in, in certain issues. They look like me and I can't, they can't help it. The way I treat my wife is the way they're going to treat their wife. Jim, it doesn't matter what I say to them. It's what I do with the woman that I love, you see. That's, that's the whole key. You're going to be like your teacher. Now, that, that's a scary thing because we don't have a model for that in America. This is talking about rabbis. The rabbis, these men lived with Jesus for three years, day and night. So they got to know Him pretty well. Now the last, this last parable is just the funniest thing. It's really not funny, but it is funny. Jesus says in verse 41 and 42 of Luke chapter 7, Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye? That word speck is... Chaff, or a small piece of a splinter, or a twig. I want you to think in a moment, people that you know that got specks in their eyes. Everybody in the room, look around. All of us got specks. But we also have something else in our eye. We don't notice the log that's in our eye. That's a Home Depot word, a beam, a rafter. That's in our eye. Jesus is saying... When you go to a brother to take the splinter out of his eye, you need to look first at the log that's in your own eye. And I, I thought about this with eagle's wing. Suppose none of us ever take the log out of our own eye and we have new people coming. Well, we'd hit them the side of the head every time they came in. Everybody walking in here with a log in your eye, everybody would be running into each other all the time. But people do this all the time. They'll go up to someone and say, Hey, I'm, I'm here to take, I'll operate on your eye. But I've got to Log in my eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself don't see the log that's in your eye? Jesus says, you hypocrite. And He says that to us. Because, you know, when people say they're not going to go to church because all that church is is hypocrites, just agree with them. Yeah, you're right. We sure are. But we're covered by the grace of God, that's what they sang. That song was really powerful. I just saw the Father moving in grace over this place. Hey, that'd be that'd be a good song, wouldn't it, brother? Father's moving in grace all over this place. That that'd be a good song. That that's what it is. When you go to somebody with a splinter in their eye, you got to do it sensitively, brothers and sisters. You hypocrite, take the log out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye you know when I was in graduate school I had to go to an eye doctor I I guess it was an ophthalmologist I don't know but if you've ever been to the eye doctor could you imagine your eye doctor coming in and operating on your eye with a log in his eye kind of mess you up wouldn't it Well, the principle here is twofold. Number one, operate on yourself first. That's what he's saying. If you were taking notes, right? Operate and then yourself first. That's what you do with people. You look at yourself first. And how do you do that? Well, you spend all day long quoting this verse. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. Know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me, Lord. Lead me in the way everlasting. I, I, I try to do that every morning. One, one guy I heard does it three times a day. Morning, noon, and night. And I quote this verse. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults, O Lord. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. See, the sins we have are much greater than the sins that we see in other people. Jesus and psychologists call this projection. See, in the Romans passage, when we look at a person and we see their sin, that same sin may not be active in us, but it's in us. It really is. And Jesus says, take that sin. So operate on yourself. If you're struggling with lust, operate on yourself before you go to a man that's in sexual sin. Don't go up to him and, you know, if, you, if you're addicted to pornography five days a week, don't go up to a brother and say, hey, bro, you need to get rid of that porno. That just is hypocrisy. Get rid of the things. Now, that's, this is not perfection, ladies and gentlemen. This is, this is called letting Jesus wash you every day of all the things that are bothering you. And the last, the last thing he says is, do the surgery sensitively. When you take a, a speck out of somebody's eye, if you've ever been to the eye doctor, when I was in graduate school, I had a piece of metal in my eye and I had to go get that thing put out of my eye. Well, the doctor didn't come out with a chisel or a fork or a knife and stick that thing in my eye. Let me get that out of your eye. Forever. No, she, she took her finger or something, maybe a Q-tip. I don't know what it was. It's 30 years ago. Took that thing out of my eye. And I said, "Oh, thank you, thank you." See, so you when you go to restore someone, it's it's what Galatians six one says. It says, "You who are spiritual, you, you don't want to restore somebody when you're not walking with God. You don't want to go to somebody and tell them their sin if you if you're a, a new believer in one day." You know, brother, I I got saved yesterday. Let me tell you about all the drugs that I gave up and this is what the Bible... They don't even know the Bible. So, you who are spiritual, anyone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. That's on y'all's sheet, isn't it? Restore, like taking an old car and making something good out of it. Caught in a sin. It's like an old fisherman. If you're a commercial fisherman... You go out and you throw your net out and you get, you get your foot caught in it and you fall in, the, you fall in the, the ocean and you're drowning because you're caught in your net. Another fisherman comes over and he goes, Oh, hey, how are you doing? I'm going down here to fish you. Be warm and well fed. He's, he's drowning over here, brothers and sisters. you got to go over there and get him out of the net. That's what he's talking about. You restore him or her to a place of wholeness. Now, I'm going to close with this, and you've heard preachers say this many times. In closing, I'm going to do my best to, to close this. R.T. Kendall, and y'all are familiar with R.T. Kendall? You know, not too many bookstores sell his books here in town. I'm not sure what's wrong with him because I think he loves churches that are charismatic and churches that aren't. And non-charismatic churches don't carry his book. and It's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me what people believe can't go bowling get saved you can't go bowling anymore I, i've never excuse me i'm sorry this is how you can do it this you can take this to the bank with anybody it doesn't even have to be someone in sin In, is it necessary to go go to that person Is it necessary to say this? Are they drowning or are they just got a little quirk that you don't like? If you've taken the personality test, if someone doesn't like you and you don't like them, you don't have to correct them for not liking you. But if they're trapped in something that's killing them, you need to boldly go to them and meet their need. Number two, N-E-E-D. Second letter... E acrostic. Will this encourage them? You know, you can rebuke somebody, and you, you can rebuke somebody for their sin, and they feel encouraged. That, that's a, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Rebuke, rebuke, yeah. rebuke, and reprove with all authority. You can go to somebody and rebuke them, but you need to smile when you say it. Don't get all angry and now you smile, brother. Or you ask the Holy Spirit to empower you, and you begin to weep, or you begin to, you get the heart of Jesus. You see, that's the key. You're going with the heart of Jesus to encourage them. Will it make them feel a little better? Well, it may not at first. You know, you go get an operation. At first, you don't feel good. You know, when I got my appendix out at 10 years of age, it didn't feel good when I woke up. Well, it, sometimes it doesn't feel good. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. What's the next part of that verse? That just popped into my mind. Faithful are the wounds. Profuses are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A faithful friend is someone you, you need. It's like our fobs group. We tell each other the truth. And, and that, that's what you got to do. Number three, will it edify them? Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is to build other... Sharon likes that word, don't you, baby? Putrid, right? Isn't that what it meant? The Greek is putrid word. Sharon, get that Adam image out of your mind, honey. Will it edify? Will what you say build them up and make them stronger or tear them down? Judges tear people down, you see. And the last one is dignify. Will it dignify this person? You know, Jesus treated the people that he ministered to with dignity and honor and respect. Friends, my final question to you is this Are you a giver or a taker? The world needs people who have a moral standard. We need a moral standard because we've got a truth that the world needs to hear. And the truth is that the cross of Jesus Christ can set people free. You see, there's a difference between truth and being right and wrong. You don't need somebody else in the room with you to believe a truth. You see what I'm saying? You as an individual have experienced the truth because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is truth in other religions. And that, that, that's true. But the truth that we have is the person of Jesus. So when we dialogue with people, we've got to allow them to believe where they are and then love them to, to the life of the kingdom. See, in the last 500 years, the world around us has changed. The last 20 years have changed. You know, when I became a Christian at the age of 10... That was 49, almost 49 years ago. This, that, this whole world, this whole planet is different. You know, there's no father knows best and mother knows least. and I mean, well, I'm not, you know, leave it to Beaver and there's the Simpsons and family guy and all this. None of that's here. I mean, the Internet, everything is just amazing, isn't it? You guys agree with me there? We have to have discernment. We have to have the ability to love people where they are. God has called this body to have mothers and fathers that will bring home the sons and the daughters. I'm telling you. I see it. I can say that because I'm not here, but I see, I see this place being a place... You see, sons and daughters are what God is working on. The mothers and fathers, we've walked the walk, but you see, we don't talk the talk. You see... Or Maybe I need to reverse that. We, we talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk. See, we're called to be fathers and mothers. And that's what this body is going to go into. I mean, they're y'all going into a community over here with younger people. He wants this house filled with people from the womb to the tomb. All the way from the beginning, all the way to the end. That's the body of Christ. So what we need to do, what do we need to do this morning in response? They train you as a preacher. You've got to ask that. You need to know this from the Scriptures. If there's someone in your life that you've judged unfairly, you need to ask God, not anybody else, who that person is, and you need to forgive them and release them from any judgments. Now, that's a whole other teaching. Any of you all are familiar with John and Paula Sanford and Elijah House? And we've judged people and what we're doing in our life now. It's working out the fruit in our life. So if God brings to mind some people that you've judged recently, I, I just want everybody in the room to bow their heads and you do business with God. A real a real quick story. I had judged my father, who, who is my natural father. I'm adopted. I had judged him from the time that I was just after my conception all the way until I was born, in the first several years of my life, I judged all men. And for 46 years, I, I, I did not have a, a real connection with male authority. 46 years. That's a long time for a judgment to go on until I got set free. And my father, when I was at the age of 50 years of age, came and laid his hands on me and blessed me with the father's love. And that's what the world's looking for, the Father's love. So let's just take a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus. For more information on Eagle's Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagle's Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.